diving for me really is, is escapism. It's like you're on another planet. Looking at a, a shipwreck is like a, a time capsule. I feel a million miles away from London and work and I can completely uh, escape from you know, the pressures and, and worries of normal life. My name is Jeff Everett. I'm a sports diver. I was um, on a dive and I was rescued by the RNLI. My dive buddy was, was Robin um, and uh, it's actually the first time we dived together. We belong to a, a, you know, a dive club. You know, we all tend to be friends and um, it, it's, a, it's a lovely community. Robin was, uh, he's just, he had just finished his training and the procedure we have is people who are less experienced are teamed up with people who are experienced. I'm quite an experienced diver. So it was the first time that the two of us had dived together. So we were friends uh, in, in that respect. The dive we were on was on a shipwreck um, called the St Dunstan. Um, the St Dunstan um, was a, a, a ship that was torpedoed in the First World War and sank. Um, it's a fairly broken up wreck, but uh, it still you know, was, was very identifiable as a, as a wreck. The visibility was, was quite poor on, on the wreck. We have a, what's called a buddy line, which I deployed and I connected to him, so the two of us were joined by line. The visibility was only about two meters, um, perhaps a little less. Um, so it's it quite easy to get lost and, and lose each other. And everything seemed fine to begin with. There was lots of uh, life to see. Robin was even playing with some hermit crabs at one point. So there was no reason uh, to feel concerned. We, we were down at about 29 meters and about 25 minutes or maybe, maybe half an hour into the dive, um, he suddenly signaled uh, that something was wrong. We have a signal to indicate that something's wrong and gave the ascend signal. And uh, so when that happens on a dive, um, you know, you, you ascend you, you straight away. If, if you know your buddy's got a problem, um, you just ascend straight away. And he was looking quite unattentive. I became quite concerned that there was something wrong with him. But nevertheless, he was still responding and um, we, we started to ascend together. When we were ascending, what you've got to do is, you, as you ascend, you have to, to dump air. Uh, you have to go up very slowly uh, from a dive. If you don't go up slowly, you can suffer, well, principally you can suffer the, the what's called the bends, and uh, which is bubbles forming inside uh, your blood vessels and in the nerves, and uh, that can be quite serious, um, even fatal. So we have to ascend quite slowly, and and to do that we have to vent air from our dive suits um, and buoyancy jacket, and. We have computers which warn us if we're ascending too fast. Uh, my computer started giving me lots of warnings that we were ascending too fast. I was dumping my uh, gas uh, as quickly as I could, um, and yet we were still going up a little fast. I looked up at Robin. It, remember, Robin uh, was attached to me by a two-meter line, this buddy line. So um, we, we, were, we were joined by this, so we were... Had to, you know we would be going at the same speed. Although I saw that he was he was dumping his air to begin with, 
um, I can only assume he wasn't dumping it fast enough, which was explaining why we were starting to go up too fast. Uh, we were supposed to make a, you know, a stop at six meters. By this stage, we were going too fast and I couldn't control it anymore. And then we, from about six meters, we made a very fast ascent to the surface, um, which is quite, quite dangerous. Uh, thing to do. On the surface Robin was low in the water, face down in the water and I got him on his back and he started uh, coughing up blood and throff. Um, this uh, is very very serious, he was unresponsive apart from that um, and it's a sign that you have uh, burst blood vessels in, in, in your lung. Because we come up next to our buoy, the boat is not very far away, so I gave a, an emergency signal to the boat. It was terrifying. I mean, the sight of uh, being, you know, in the middle of the sea, <laughs> uh, it, was, it was fairly rough as well. Um, and then seeing that your buddy is um, coughing up blood and um, apart from the coughing is completely unresponsive, it's, it was very frightening. And I, I tried to, um, you know, get the phlegm and blood away from his mouth, but the waves were, were uh, crashing over us, so that was a very difficult thing to do, so very frightening. And then when we got him on board the boat, he didn't seem to be breathing much, he'd gone blue, which is a sign of your, your lack of oxygen, um, and he seemed completely unconscious. When the skipper of the boat um, saw us come alongside the boat, he, he immediately contacted the Coast Guard, when we were on board the ship trying to revive him, um, uh, uh, both a lifeboat and the helicopter, the Coast Guard helicopter, turned up at the same time. They turned up so quickly. We were quite a way out at sea, and yet they seemed to be there very, very quickly. It was quite rough, and so um, the lifeboat crew instructed the, the skipper to motor forward at, at pretty much full speed so the boat wasn't rocking. Um, then the lifeboat came alongside, also at full speed, uh, and the lifeboat crew jumped uh, from the lifeboat onto our boat. The winchman came down, he assessed uh, the casualty and decided that the best thing to do was to take him by helicopter to a recompression chamber. Then they were worried about me because I'd also done the fast ascent. I didn't have any symptoms um, but sometimes the symptoms uh, like the bends can come on um, a few hours after the incident so it was decided that I should go back uh, to shore with the lifeboat. They put a, a life jacket on me. He was constantly uh, you know he had headphones on so it was, and it, because of the roar of the engine it was difficult to speak but he was constantly checking that I was okay. Um, I felt um, you know, very reassured. Uh, I, I was just uh, overall really by the, by the efficiency um, uh, of, of the lifeboat crew. Um, they seemed to know exactly what they were doing. They arrived quickly, um, they assessed the situation quickly, they co coordinated everything with the, the Coast Guard and, and the ambulance. So it felt, um, it, it felt very reassuring that I mean, uh, they're only volunteers as I understand it, but they seem so so professional and efficient. Uh, Robin, he, met, he did make a full recovery, fortunately. 
Um, the only problem is he cannot dive again because of the damage to his lungs. His life was about to expire. Um, but uh, because of everything went well, um, and by, by everybody, by other divers, and by the RNLI and the Coast Guard, and because of the fast action of everybody, um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, and others are sure, that, that we saved his life that day. As a diver, um, knowing that there's an organisation such as the RNLI around um, is, is very, very reassuring. It, it takes a lot of the anxiety out of the sport. Um, you know, diving is, is potentially a very da dangerous sport, um, but knowing that you have this backup um, of, of the RNLI is, is, is very important. It's Dee Kafari here and you've been listening to part of the RNLI's 200 Voices collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org forward slash 200 voices or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you. Two Hundred Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.